What's going on, family? This is a, if we were inside right now, I'm not going to lie to you. If we were inside, I tell everybody to just move on up, especially right now. Um, and then when I think about this evening's topic, I don't want to be speaking at you. First of all, I never want to be speaking at you. But this distance, I'm going to tell you right now, no bueno. But we're outside. It's all good. Love y'all. Tonight's sermon, tonight's message, and what we're going through, right, we're continuing a conversation on disciplines of discipleship. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you, bro. Disciplines of discipleship, right, as we, what's it look like and what's it mean to become disciples, right? What does it mean and look like to become disciples? And so when Rob asked everybody that he asked over the summer uh, to come and preach or, or pick up a topic of discussion or discipline, it's something that really each of us have been practicing in our lives, all right? That's something we've been practicing in our lives. And this evening, I wish I could just say, God said it, now let's go do it. But if it was that easy, right, I think we'd have a greater magnitude of, of service. If it was that easy, it literally, we just go out, we say, love God, serve people, boom, done, that's what it is, right? But we're people, we forget, we overcomplicate things, right? And Christ says, his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and sometimes we're like, is it really? Because we just make too much of things, and we just overcomplicate it. It's okay. That's why we love the grace of God and the mercy of God. Amen? So this evening's discussion is called the ministry of presence. The ministry of presence, that's what I'm talking about. The, the other thing that I just appreciate and love is that this is officially the first sermon I get to preach as associate pastor of Hope Church. And, like, I, I just, Sarah and I appreciate that. Like, we could not be doing this if it wasn't for you. Like, you literally loved on us and said, we're going to bring y'all on and took that risk. But you're going to bring us on, and here we are. We could not do it without you. So thank you. We love you. We hope to represent you well, make you proud, everything, and do this life together. So thank you um, from the bottom of our hearts. So the ministry of presence. I'm by no means an expert on the ministry of presence, but I can confidently say that this way of living, this way of processing how I serve and why I serve and even filtering of world events has almost become second nature to me, but it's been a process that honestly, Rob and I, even were discussing it, it's been like a process of 10 years. And even a focused intention of over the last six. And so I think about Pastor Pete's uh, sermon uh, two weeks ago, and it's, it holds true in my life that it's about building and growing deep roots and long branches. God is growing oak trees, not vegetables, in us. Something that's formidable, something that's majestic, something that points the world back to him. I love living down here with the live oaks, the majestic oak. You stop almost at every single one and you're like, wow. Because that's what God is building. That's what God does. 
And so he's building us into these oak trees. And so the ministry of presence is what we're going to be discussing tonight. So what is the ministry or what does the ministry of presence do? I hope y'all are taking notes. That's why we left like two blank pages in that little pamphlet, right? What does the ministry of presence do? The ministry of presence moves you and I out of our comfort zones and grows our capacity for others. It creates a heart of compassion that mirrors Jesus's. So you and I get to serve and love as Jesus served and loved. It diversifies our narratives and our awareness. It helps us to see the beauty in the brokenness. And it will always snuff out fear with faith. Always. So what is the ministry of presence? This is how I define it, and I'll repeat it a few times throughout the night if you're taking notes. Hint, hint. But what is the ministry of presence? It's the vulnerable posture taken to empathize and sympathize with others so that Jesus is known as Lord as Savior, and as friend. Let me clarify those terms that I'm using. Empathy, the way I'm defining it, is the ability to understand others' emotions and feelings. Sympathy is the ability to feel others' emotions by connecting and experience. And then presence is allowing moments of life Planned and unplanned so that both of these affections bloom. So simply put, it's just being there for someone. The hinge verse for this evening is Acts chapter 4, verse 13. That's our hinge verse. We will start in chapter 2. I'm going to tell you right now, we'll go from chapter 2 to chapter 4. But our hinge verse is Acts 4.13, and it says, When they, the city where they were at at the time, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus, these men, Peter, John, and some of the other apostles, they were transformed in such a way that they were bold in their faith to proclaim the truth of Jesus, how he is and can be Savior and Lord, and the boldness of their faith to present the grace of Jesus, his empathy, sympathy, his friendship. See, what, I, I, I don't think you realize they, these guys at one point in their lives, they could care less for other people. They had an agenda of how Jesus should do ministry, how Jesus should do work. Peter, at one point, tried to kill someone for coming after Jesus. You can read that in John 18. John, at another point, tried to burn somebody alive because he didn't like them. Go read that in John chapter 9. So the way that they lived now was different, and it was known because they spent time with Jesus. They had a full transformation of heart and mind. Now, we're going to go into, right, like the academic, we're going to break down the scriptures and stuff like that. 
because we need that. But it's not just a formula, right? It's being active in our faith, right? Just do it. Be there. But we're going to see that it is a process. Even Jesus took three, three and a half years with his disciples, and this is God, right? It wasn't instant. It took his time. Here's a little more insight. Jesus, after promising the advocate, the comforter, the, the counselor, all these things that the Holy Spirit is and who he is, after promising the Holy Spirit in John 14, right, we see in chapter 15 of John that he's teaching of the vine and the branches, which is a lesson on abiding, remaining, being present with him. So that we know how and how and, and can bear fruit. So the boldness of Peter and John came from being with Jesus and abiding in his word. So again, Acts 14, 4 and 13 tells us that the way Peter and John served forced others to take notice and understand that they were with Jesus. How does the ministry of presence begin then? Exactly what you just said there. The ministry of presence begins with the discipline of individually, that's you and I, solo, abiding and being in the presence of God. We must be in his word, and in doing so, we get to truly understand the compassion and the grace that he has for us and others. So in John 8, 38, Jesus says, I am telling you what I have seen, where? In the Father's presence. Jesus says, I do and I am because I have been with the Father. And now here he is. He brings that interaction to us by being with us. It's not just academic. It's life. How do we develop that ministry of presence? I love how Eugene Patterson translates John 1.14. He says, the word, that's Jesus, y'all. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous, inside and out, true from start to to finish. So the ministry of presence is developed by us moving into the neighborhood, if you will. We must be among people and with people to see people as more than just two-dimensional beings, father and son or mother, daughter, rich, poor, good, bad, us, them. People are more than that. And you have to carry the understanding. We have to carry the, the understanding and this discipline into our discipleship roles, into our groups and life's settings. There's an experience, there's a background, there's a worldview that we all carry. We're complicated beings. So what did Jesus do, right? We're going to find out. Jesus' presence, right, which is what we're looking to mirror and master, Amen. Amen? Okay. 
Jesus' presence, where we're looking to mirror master, brought healing and redemption to both the spiritual and the physical. Right? Jesus understood that there's a whole being that he's engaging with. So, for example, when he's uh, healing or feeding or embracing others, right, that's, that's, that's a physical component there. And when he's forgiving sins, that's a spiritual component. Right. So he does that to tether both aspects of humanity, the physical and the spiritual. I am the bread of life. Oh, and here's some bread. Rivers of life. Right. Flow from me. I am living water. Oh, we're in the desert. Here is some water. Be refreshed. Us to God heavenly kingdom to earthly kingdom and in doing so we can taste and we see glimpses of his goodness now does that make sense y'all jesus says i have come that they may have life and have it to the full so this is the boldness peter and john are exemplifying all right you still with me good because we still got a ways so acts chapter 2 verse 36 acts chapter 2 36 let's read it therefore all israel be assured of this god has made this jesus whom you crucified both lord and messiah those titles are key we'll come back to that when the people heard this they were cut to the heart and said to peter and the apostles brothers what shall we do Here's a little bit of background, right? Peter has been on fire, and almost literally because the Holy Spirit came down in fire, set their souls on fire. So he's been on this preaching hot streak, all right? You read that through chapter 1, beginning of chapter 2 there. And so the Holy Spirit, as promised by Jesus, is on the scene to continue the ministry Jesus left for you and I, and that's partnering with us in this case that I'm building about the ministries of presence, of being there. Brothers, what shall we do? Verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Again, spiritual and physical. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, at, literally as they just witnessed with John and Peter and the apostles, right? God stays true to his promises. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. We literally get to witness the salvation of thousands because of their boldness of proclaiming the truth right the necessary salvation of jesus for our spirit for the inner person right and then there's this shift in the narrative and we get to understand the boldness of peter and john of grace and service that comes to play so that's that's verses 42 which we're going to get to right it's critical because here's the deal a lot of times we get caught up in the numbers and the magnitude, like, like what we just saw, 3,000? What? 
Hello, Somerville, like they can hear us, right? Like 3,000, y'all. The magnitude of the work of salvation, right? We get caught up with that. We get caught up with the weight, and it is weighty. We get caught up with the weight of telling the world about Jesus, but our job first and foremost is to be faithful and present. The Savior, Jesus, is the one who does the saving and brings the increase. You and I just get and have to be there for others, to serve others, to do life together. Remember my main point. The ministry of presence is the vulnerable posture taken to empathize and sympathize with others. So Jesus is known as Lord, Savior, and friend. You think? The Son of God left the throne of the known and unknown universe. And when he came to be with us, he took a posture of humility and vulnerability. So this is why we get these next few verses in 42. So read with me. 42 to 47. They, the people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in had, who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We're literally reading here about healing and redemption to both the physical and the spiritual. Again, because Jesus understands that there is a whole being that we are engaging with. And so once we are saved, we are or should be moved with compassion to care for the physical needs of others, as we just read. But if we are not present, y'all got to hear this, all right? If we are not present with others, intentional about being there for others, understanding the needs of others, then we are stuck only with devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and nothing more. It's the equivalent of coming to a church service and chatting for a bit, but never taking it further. Never knowing and understanding how we can serve others in our churches and those in the community. Right? They didn't stop at, they just stood there, went to the temple, heard the apostles, right? Old Testament and what Jesus was doing and what he did and how he completed everything, right? It didn't just stop there. They took it further because Jesus cares about the whole person and where we are. So if we're going to disciple others which I believe is a process for doing with believers and unbelievers, then we must be aware of what their physical needs and emotional needs are, not just the spiritual needs. So back to uh, 
44 uh, and 47. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles. To, uh, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily. That is radical and yet so simple. When we practice the ministry of presence, it strips away all social understanding and awareness all economic practices that we grew up with, all security and concern for self, thus truly making Jesus our embrace for acceptance, our embrace for identity, our embrace for financial security, making him the avenger when we are wronged, the comforter when we are offended. And it's not that, like, we aren't discerning, or discerning, but here's the deal. When we understand that we can open ourselves up to vulnerability and sacrifice and humility, then we finally understand that we are his and that he is the good father. But again, we have to be present with the good father in order to be present and know how to do that with others. The ministry of presence is the vulnerable posture taken to empathize and sympathize with others. So Jesus is known as Lord, Savior, and friend. So let's get heavy a little bit with that Lord and Savior. Because Peter has that line, right, in verse 38. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. He's, he's using two different words with purpose and intention there, right? So I wanted to focus on that. Why Lord and Messiah? Because that's who we are making Jesus known to with those that we are discipling and serving. Lord and Messiah. Lord, Kurios, states Jesus' title and position as ruler and governor of how life, laws, community should be. And it's actually a little refreshing because now we're realizing, oh, we are no longer slaves to the kingdom of darkness. We have literally been brought, bought, pulled back into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. And the Messiah or Christ, meaning Savior, is the anointed one. And it speaks to his Godship and how only he can save us from sin and eternal death, right, or separation or damnation. Peter's given us this dual title, and so Peter is reminding us how the grace and truth of God is embodied in Jesus. The truth is there is zero, no salvation aside from Jesus the Messiah. But there is no activation on how his kingdom is to be represented here and now aside from Lord Jesus. Because he's going to physically reign as king and the beauty is that we get to partner with him we get to listen to this we get to be his presence in this world and to individuals 
And the fulfillment of that comes through and by the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the personal presence of God residing in us. So at Hope Church, our line is we want to see people make Jesus the forgiver of their sins, Savior, and the leader of their lives, Lord. And what happens is discipleship gets scary, especially the one-on-one types, right? It gets scary, and it is scary, and honestly, sometimes chaotic, because, hear me here, we tend to present only the steady and driving point of Jesus as Savior, the Messiah, but not as Lord in our lives. And so what happens is it becomes heavy on the truth aspect, which cuts deep into our souls, and it leaves out the balm of healing, the grace of Jesus giving us and leading us into a better way of living as our Lord and the leader of a better kingdom. We forget that Jesus does and is both. And he calls us as believers to present him as both. So to not present him as Lord, right? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I love that from from when Cam preached, right? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He doesn't even tell us what to repent from. He just says, yo, repent. The kingdom of God is here. Forget life. Forget everything else that's behind you, right? I get it. It's complicated. It's a lot. But guess what? Repent. Turn away. And when you repent, when you do that 180, look, the kingdom of God. We have to present him, we must present him as both. He calls us to present him as Lord, the one who governs how we live, how we represent his kingdom, why we do what we do. And to not do so, I believe, is not to present a complete gospel and a complete representation of who he is. Because the gospel is good news. The ministry of presence allows us then to check allows us individually to check the why and how of our living and be there for others as Jesus is there for us, which is Lord and Savior. You still with me? Yes? Some of y'all, cool. So we read about the big picture of God's grace, right? We just, we just read about that. And so now let's look at this testimony here, an example of God working in an individual's life. So chapter 3, 10 verses, all right? Chapter 3, 10 verses. One day, Peter and John were going up from the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried into the temple gate called Beautiful. I love that. Where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Because Jesus gives life and the full life. He completes all the way through. 
He jumped to his feet, verse 8, and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts. A physical change, now he's going with them into the temple courts, a spiritual change. God does both and. Walking and jumping, praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened. So I'll say this again. Jesus' presence, which is what we are looking to mirror and master, brings healing and redemption to both the physical and the spiritual. But in order for that to happen, you and I must be present ourselves in the planned and unplanned times of life. We get to do and be the same as Jesus, and it's not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And so Jesus taught us that in his prayer, and he taught us to believe and pray that in his prayer in Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this isn't a future kingdom. This isn't, Father, I'll get to doing your will and represent you later. No, it's here and now, glimpses of his glory, experiencing his goodness today. So the ministry of presence bolster our, our, bolsters our faith and our position as his children, and we can be confident in our interactions with others, whether it's a one-on-one uh, conversation or meeting, whether it's in small groups or large group settings. Because we can show his goodness today. Father, your will be done on earth today as it is in heaven. I'm going to tell you right now, nobody in heaven is saying, yeah, God, I heard you, but I'll get it done later. Pretty sure none of the angels say that. God says do, it's done, and more. So Peter and John, they actually get in trouble with some lawyers and academics, some religious political people in the city for, for helping out this guy. And it's because of this interaction and really a whole nother sermon that we end up reaction of Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. There was no stopping Peter and John from proclaiming the truth of salvation but also the proclamation of the grace of God that he is with us as a friend who is sympathetic and empathetic to all of our needs, y'all. He knows because the ministry of presence is the vulnerable posture taken to empathize and sympathize with Jesus so that with others so that Jesus is known as Lord Savior and friend, God's work is done in proximity. We have to be present with others. Leading someone one step closer in their walk with God takes personal time and sacrifice. It shows them that you're trustworthy and that you're there for them. Otherwise, what happens is that we end up standing on the sidelines of faith Screaming into a dying world, screaming at other people, right, about every issue, even believers for work that they are doing. But we aren't truly active and present 
practicing our faith in a life that's complicated. We got to be there. Be present with the Lord and do as he says. We end up fooling ourselves and frustrating others for no reason or worse, being a detriment to kingdom work when we are removed from kingdom business and the presence of others. Jesus, when he was speaking about himself in Matthew, he says, the son of man, which is one of his favorite titles, he uses that more than any other, side note, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they said, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Romans chapter 2, we get this question, do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, tolerance, and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness leads to repentance? I would say that if what we read, what we view, what we listen to, how we speak doesn't compel us in love to have compassion, grace, and healing on others, honestly, I'd question if it's kingdom approved. And I'd question our motivation. I question my own. So let's, let's wrap up with Acts chapter 4. We get an example of being there for others once again, healing, redemption to both the physical and spiritual needs, just as Jesus did. Verse 32 of chapter 4. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles uh, called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Man, y'all could do with that what you will. But if we are taking the Bible seriously and literally, that's a whole lot to what we know, see, and practice today, including in my life. The ministry of presence is about tethering heaven to earth, kingdom principles, kingdom politics. Now, it's countercultural, counter-religion, counter-us. And the ministry of presence is a joint effort with heaven. You and I can confidently say, even when you're solo, get this, you can confidently say, we are here Using the plural noun, we are here upon entering the space of another because physically you bring God with you as he resides in you within us as believers. So we don't withhold anything good that is within our power to do so. We are here. Me and God, we got your back. We are here. I am with you. 
in the planned and the unplanned times of life. I have no idea what's going on in your world. It's complicated. I don't agree with everything that's going on in your world. It's complicated. But if Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners and everything else I can't say because kids are here, we also can be friends with those people. The ministry of presence is never, 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 and in the Greek is never, about us. It's always about the other. Flat out. So what do we do? Five things that I kind of go through. It's become a little bit second nature, but sometimes I got to process through, right, because I'm checking. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I thinking the way I'm thinking? It's got to change. It's got to move. We, we can't be Christians that play, that play checkers in this life, especially now, nowadays. We got to be playing chess and looking way ahead. We got to be masters in this thing, masters at marrying and mirroring Jesus. Masters are at getting away from us and ourselves and how we do it because it's complicated, y'all. Five things. Let's develop the discipline of abiding and being in the presence of God by being washed in his word. And it's not just for knowledge's sake, but for an active participation of our faith. Two, we got to move into the neighborhood. We got to see others as Jesus sees them, beautiful and in need of a faithful friend. And not that you and I won't get frustrated, but don't let it stop you. Love and serve as Jesus loved and served, always looking out for the best interest of others. And sometimes we're going to have to be in that presence of, I don't fully agree with you on this or where we're at, but we're here. I don't care what the uh, religious leaders and those guys are saying as they look in. They call Jesus a glutton, friend of sinners. You think he cared? No. He said, I came here to heal the sick. I didn't come for the righteous. I'm here to be a doctor for those that need a doctor. Love and serve as Jesus loved and served. Four, you got to diversify your narrative and perspective by your proximity to others of different narratives and perspectives. Again, with that point, Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. And five, Take a breather with this one. Five, give yourself permission to fail in grace. Some of us are way too hard on ourselves. And you're harder on yourself than Jesus is harder on you. Chill out. God, I mean, it's amazing. God's mercy is just amazing. Stop being so hard on yourself. Take a breather. And then say, Lord... Friend, dude, you got to help me up again. <laughs> help me up again. For you list type folk, for people, right, those that, that need something. When you, when you see somebody moving into your neighborhood with a moving truck, just show up. I don't know. Hey, I don't know you. They know you don't know them, but I'm here to help. Hear somebody moving, show up. Be there for them. Show up. Ask Rob and I, ask us about joining a community group. Maybe it starts there, right? 
about connecting with someone so you can do one-on-one discipleship groups. We're starting one-on-one discipleship groups and starting some smaller groups so we can build this thing out together. Show up at the food giveaways and bring somebody with you. Guest services, Hope Kids, they need some people. Especially if we're trying to get back inside. August is coming. It's going to get hotter, right? Trying to get back inside. All of us got to do this together, right? But start serving and serve along someone else with intention and with a confidence that says, we're here. God sent me. Jesus told me to show up. I'm here because the Holy Spirit resides within. God resides within us when we are believers. It's not about us. It's about others. What is, we're having the best interest in our mind about what's better for them. Sometimes it doesn't look good for us. That's okay. It didn't look good for Jesus. Amen? I got your back. Let's do this together. Father God, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, (laughs) thank you is the least thing we could say for residing within us. Thank you, Father, that you would look upon us and see your son. And you called us to serve and love as you did, Jesus Christ. Father, will you find us faithful and obedient to serve here in Somerville and love here in Somerville and do your will here in Somerville as your will is known and understood in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness, for your mercy, for your grace. Thank you, Father, for creating a table that was so long that you would add another seat and say, hey, come and commune with me. Let's talk about it. And that for me, over cups of coffee, you and I can hash this thing out called life, which is complicated. But Jesus, you got an answer. And so we want to plug in our faith into this complicated world and figure out how it works. Sometimes it's not always black and white. But thank you that you are true and that you never change. And we pray all these things in Christ's mighty name. Amen.